They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt. Hi friends, Shane Pruitt here, National Next Gen Evangelism Director for the North American Mission Board, and welcome to another episode of Next Gen On Mission. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us, and today we have a very, very special guest, Madeline Carroll. Madeline is a social media influencer. She is also the actress who played Bart's girlfriend, and I can only imagine she was also in movies like Swing Vote with Kevin Costner, Mr. Popper's Penguins with Jim Carrey, The Spy Next Door with Jackie Chan, so many others. But most important than anything is Madeline loves Jesus. She is so bold with her faith, and God is using her in amazing ways. So today we're going to talk about using the arts to reach the next generation. So Madeline, welcome to the Next General Mission podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on. Absolutely. Well, we were just talking before this that I actually met you almost two years ago, right before I Can Only Imagine released. Uh, Prestonwood hosted a private uh, preview screening. It was sponsored by Harvest America. And so I had the privilege. They invited me to come and 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 host uh, you and John Irwin and do an interview time with y'all. And I remember just how bold and clear you were with your faith. And so when we started talking about this podcast and casting vision for it, I'm like, I know at least one guest I want to have on for sure. So thank you so much for taking the time to be on today. Thank you so much for remembering me. It's it's so crazy. We're talking about how it feels like yesterday that that happened, and it's been so long since then. Um, You know, so much has happened. When I saw you, we didn't know, you know, that I can only imagine was going to, you know, do well at all in the box office or anything. And just to think that, like, John has went on to form the Kingdom Production Company, and now I Still Believe comes out in a couple days. Yeah, It's just crazy. It's so crazy to think of, like, how so much has happened since then. No doubt. And and to me, I just love, uh, and we'll dive deeper into it, but just how God is so amazing. God is so creative that he can use so many different ways and avenues to reach people for his glory. And so thank you so much for being obedient to that call in your life and, and worshiping the Lord through the gifts he's given you. So that's awesome. Thank you. It's definitely been a journey, but God, God has been very, very faithful uh, through each and every step of the way. But I, uh, I'm excited for what he has next. So anytime I've given him a little, he's given me back a lot. Yeah. So, um, I've just been enjoying it really. Well, I love it. Hey, well, Madeline, before we get too spiritual, what's one fun fact that we should know about you that we probably don't know? I was thinking of like so many before, you, before we did this interview, but I think the biggest one that people are usually surprised by is I love podcasts, but I love murder mystery podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I love like, Real, like anything like that, I just I absolutely love, which I know is very strange. Um, I do do enjoy, and I love like crime series on Netflix. Um, people are always super surprised by that, <laughs> but uh, I've grown up with three brothers, okay? I've watched a lot of stuff. <laughs> I love it, I think that's great. Awesome. Well, Madeline, hey, we always open this podcast by asking the same question, and I love to hear the different responses to this from all of our different guests. What is something that we need to know about the next generation? Uh, so junior high students, high school students, college students, young adults, what's something we need to know about the next generation? I think a lot of uh, people try and um, 
fit in with the times, which obviously is a good thing to just to kind of reach the next generation. But to be honest with you, it's authenticity. And um, I think just giving them something real. I think the next generation is just craving something real because of social media and even the stuff that we have on TV nowadays. It's all uh, very glossy. Um, you know, every picture's filtered, everything's perfect. Um, and I think they're just searching for the real thing, something, something real. And I think that that's the biggest mistake that I see happen is, um, you know, older people are trying to come down to the young adults level and it's like, no, we kind of just want to be pulled up to yours. Um, that's, that's what I think. I think that's the biggest, um, the biggest misconception there. And I think that that's something really, really important to know is just. They're out, they're looking for something real. That's why they look in all those, these different places, right? Um, is because they just want something real. Yeah, no doubt. I say that without a doubt. You know, speaking of being real, Madeline, I remember when we were at Prestonwood doing that interview. Uh, you you got really transparent and authentic about some of the pressures you faced in acting. And then there became like a kind of a, uh, a breaking point in a good way in your career where you say, you know what, I'm going to take a stand for the Lord. So would you kind of take us briefly through that journey of how you got into acting and then share again about mm-hmm. some of the pressures that you faced um, as a young woman and um, in, the, in the role of film and then the stand you took for the Lord and, and making those decisions? Yeah. Yeah, I would love to. I, um, I So I've been acting my whole life. Ever since I was three years old, got discovered in a nail salon. Um, you know, my mom and dad, they don't, they have nothing to do with the movie industry. And so it was just kind of um, the hand of the Lord on my life, really, at a very young age, putting me on the path of acting. And when I was younger, I loved it. It was just fun. You know, it was like my soccer or baseball. You know, my mom would drive me to all these different auditions. And, uh, you know, just the favor of the Lord, I would, I, I was used to working. Like, it, like, looking back now, I realize, like, how much it was God, because, you know, as you get older, it obviously gets harder, but I had a lot of favor, a lot of opportunity. And then I hit 15 and uh, my career was like really, really taken off. And, um, I had just, uh, started promoting or finished promoting actually it would be called machine gun preacher. And, um, that year, then 16, that whole year, like the opportunities that started coming my way were just things that I really wouldn't want to do all of a sudden I wasn't really playing the daughter, you know, role or opposite of the adult anymore. I was going to be the teenager who wanted to sleep with people and wanted to have sex and all this stuff. And I was like super, super uncomfortable. And I've always been a Christian, always loved the Lord, but uh, even just my own morals, I just, I didn't want to do that. And I remember that whole year just kind of being like, okay, well, we'll just wait for the next one. Wait for the next one. We'll wait for the next one. And um, nothing was really coming, Shane, at all. And so I remember um, kind of just deciding to fast. I took a, like, I wanted to do a seven-day fast, and I was like, Lord, I really need to hear from you because I'm not seeing any opportunity, and I need to know, like, is this still where you want me to be? So at that time, uh, literally first day of my fast, the Lord gave me Isaiah 43. I'd never read Isaiah 43 before um, up until then, and Isaiah 43 briefly just talks about um, when you go through rivers of difficulty, you won't drown. And when you walk through a fire of oppression, you won't, won't be burned up. And then at the very end, it says, behold, I do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, God, like that's enough for me to hang on to. I know. I just knew like sometimes it happens when you read your word, you know, it just, it just speaks to you and it became alive to me. And I knew in that moment when I read that, that God was letting me know that, yes, I'm still called to be here, but I actually was walking into something. I wasn't coming out of it, that that season of waiting was just beginning. 
And that was kind of a hard pill to swallow in the moment. Mm-hmm. But I remember I started crying. I was at the beach. But I um, I knew that God had a plan. And so I was like, okay, God, I'm willing. Cut to five, four or five years from then. I'm 19 years old. I did a couple things in between, like people remembering me from when I was a kid, calling me back to work with them again, and like favors, stuff like that. Um, when I'm 19 years old, I'd love to say that after after that moment with God on the beach that, you know, I got a Marvel movie or I got like <laughs> something. I didn't. I didn't. And I'm like, I've, I held out for years and I, I finally, I, I had passed on a TV show um, that I was going to have to do nudity in. And I remember my representative telling me, uh, you know, Madeline, I, I don't understand what it is that you want. You're an adult now. I don't understand, you know, and now that you're an adult, this is this is the kind of work that you have to do. This is what there's a, there is out there. So if you're not willing to do that, I'm not sure what you're willing to do. And so I don't know what there is for you. And I remember just being like devastated, completely and utterly devastated. I felt like a full, like fool is what I felt like. And I, um, I hung up the phone. I called into my bathroom, sobbed and cried my eyes out. And just had this whole moment out with the Lord and was like, God, I don't understand. You told me to wait. This is what I did. I waited for you. You promised me this. I haven't seen you show up. And I was like, Lord, is it me? Did I mishear you? Did you want me to do something else? And the new thing was something else. And it wasn't to keep acting. And I just was so beyond anything crushed in spirit, like totally crushed in spirit. And I said, um, you know, God, I'm done. I'm not going to go through this anxiety anymore, this heartbreak, this devastation. I said, I'm done with it. So I purposed like in my heart, I was going to call my agent and I was going to quit. Literally, Shane, I stand up and it was full on like the Holy Spirit pulled me back down to my knees and I got out these last two sentences and I was like, Lord, but if you still called me here and this is still what you want me to do, then I'm willing to keep going. Like, this is, this is what I'll do for you. This is what you want. But I said, you got to send me something. You got to send me a sign. You got to send me something Mm -hmm. to know that this is where you want me to be. And so um, literally the next day, I'm not kidding you, I get reached out to by Harold Conk, who did uh, the God's Not Dead movie and a bunch of other faith-based films. Had never did a faith-based film in my life. And he said, Madeline, I don't know why, but for some reason, I um, I feel like you're meant to be in my next faith-based film. And then literally, like, went, did that movie, God, like, put me back on the path. And then that fall, I got, I can only imagine. Wow. And God so faithful. Yeah. Oh, man. He's like, beyond faithful. <laughs> and he, oh, but you know, and, and and I think of you know, it it costs everyone something to stand for their faith, um, if they're going to truly live it out. It's going to cost everyone something, but in that moment, it could have been so easy for you to say, you know, this is going to cost me a lot, uh, maybe a trajectory that I'm on, and yet you still trusted the Lord, and I think He has exceedingly and abundantly more for you than you could ever imagine. And he already has. And I think God's going to continue to honor that. What are some, you know, you talked a little bit about that in your journey and some of the pressures and temptations that were thrown your way. What are some unique temptations and pressures upon your generation and even younger that maybe previous generations didn't have to deal with? Oh my gosh. I think, I, I think that I would say the first thing that comes to mind is just even like, even Oh, we have so many like helpers now in doing wrong things. Does that make sense? Like yep. we have like yep. the iPhone, even the iPhone can even be used. Like a, a couple of years ago, I, I would find myself, you know, in group texts that I didn't want to be in with, you know, friends picking on another friend or, you know what I mean? Whatever, like social media, cell phones, the way technology is nowadays, it's so accessible to get into trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether you're 
screenshotting or sending or doing or, you know, Snapchatting. And it's just, it's all at your fingertips. And the scary thing is, you don't actually have to leave your house anymore to get in trouble. You don't, like my dad, he tells stories of how him and his friends, you know, went and did this or that when he was younger and played outside. Like nowadays, you can do depredation to your own self mm. in your own home by yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, with With your phone. And um, it's so, that's so scary to me and that's so unique to me. And I'm not really sure uh, what the antidote is to fix that um, unless everyone stops using iPhones um, <laughs> and stuff like that. But um, but I think that's the unique pressure, at least in my eyes, that, uh, and I'm fortunate enough, I, I was born in the 90s. So I, I got to play outside. I got to have all that experience too. So I, I was like 13 maybe or 12 maybe when the iPhone came out. Um, and everything started changing. So I, I do know what it was like beforehand. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, that's the biggest thing to me is like, I've even in the past like four, three or four years watched it evolve into even more. Now there's so many apps. I mean, when I could only imagine was coming out just to be transparent, as you say, I like to be, um, you know, uh, my publicist, they had me do like this social media course, literally, I'm not kidding. It was like a social media course of like how to handle my social media um, and there's just like so many apps and so many things, Shane, that you can do to make yourself look a different way if you want, make your face look different if you want. And that's so scary to me mm-hmm. because it's like people are, they're, they're going to be continually after something that's just not themselves. And I think that that's heartbreaking because God's called us all, you know, Psalms 139, he knit us together in the womb. Uh, he created us for purpose and you'll never discover what your purpose is if you're trying to live your life. Uh, to the fullest of someone else's mm. life, um, which I think is so sad. Yeah, that's such a good word. But that's why we got to stay in our word. Yeah, no doubt. And so, yeah, there's definitely some trappings, um, some some negative things about uh, technology, social media, the arts. But what are some unique ways that we can use the arts, technology, to reach the next generation with the gospel? What are some positive spins on that? Oh my gosh. Well, take I Still Believe, for instance. Um, I Still Believe comes out next week, and um, movies, I, in my opinion, my, my first thought, obviously, since I'm in filmmaking, is movies is such a huge way to reach the younger generation. And I'm so excited for I Still Believe in particular because I don't think that we've had a faith based film quite like that. And it's almost like um, mainstream teenage film and faith film are kind of meeting together with this movie, I mean, uh, KJ App is in it, obviously, which I think um, is a great point in reaching the next generation. So many young kids um, that I know that aren't even believers are excited about the movie um, because of KJ App, uh, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so I think it's a great way to kind of um, hide the cinnamon in the applesauce, <laughs> yeah. I like, yep. um, of kind of just getting young people in there uh, because they want to see the movie for other reasons. And then they end up leaving, hopefully with uh, big questions on their heart. Who am I? What do I believe in? Do I believe in God? Do I know God? Have I ever believed in God? Um, maybe they've had a relationship with the world before and walked away from it. And the cool thing, too, um, about I Still Believe is it's actually it's handling like a really hard topic, in my opinion, which is if you talk to a lot of non-believers, they've either never thought about a relationship with God or they've had a really bad burn from the Lord. And so they're like, well, God never showed up for me. God never answered my prayer. And so I think the cool thing about this movie is that it kind of answers what do you do when God doesn't show up, which is a really, really big one um, that I found, even just talking to people one-on-one, witnessing myself, um, is that a lot of people have been burned. A lot of people feel like God didn't show up for them, whether they're 
parents uh, died with cancer. The other day I met this guy actually at a movie uh, who just started talking to me um, randomly that he, he lost his son to cancer and he had mm-hmm. been burned by the Lord. Tell me I'm not a very spiritual person because, you know, God didn't show up for me. And um, I think I'm really excited about that. But to answer that question, I don't know why it was so long, but to answer that question is I think movies are a great, great way. I think that um, making movies, making Instagram posts, um, anything, it's all so accessible now, Shane. There's kind of no excuse. That's true. And I'm, you know, specifically on, I still believe I'm so excited about that and familiar with that story. And, you know, most of uh, atheist agnostics that I personally know or have interacted with, hardly any of them, if at all, got there specifically because of science reasons, right? They may have eventually got there and say, hey, I'm an atheist because of scientific reasoning. However, but they didn't start that journey. Usually that journey started with some kind of hurt, some kind of letdown, um, some kind of yeah. bad interaction from a Christian, or they were let down by a church, or God didn't come through in a way they thought, and, um, and it sent them down that path. So I'm praying that the Lord will use, <laughs> I still believe, in an incredible way. Um, for next-gen leaders that are looking to give serving opportunities for creatives in their church, what are some ways uh, to serve that maybe we haven't been considering already to really get creatives on mission um, for the Lord? Um, well, I, what I've been seeing a lot nowadays in churches is um, when, like, I went to Zoe Church yesterday or Sunday, um, which is Chad Beach's church here in LA, and I was kind of blown away because you can definitely tell that they have allowed uh, young people to come in and take over, and you can tell because it has such a young feel to it and a young vibe. So I think the best advice that I would give, who knows nothing about churches really, um, is just let the young people handle the young people's stuff. I think that um, it gets really kind of awkward when you can tell when someone older has tried to do something uh, to target younger people. And I think just listening to younger people's ideas, Shane, my goodness, especially now that, like, God's led me in the direction of, like, uh, writing and stuff, is I found that so much is that younger, uh, older people have a hard time giving younger people the reins. But the thing is, the younger people are the ones that know what they're talking about mm-hmm. um, with stuff like that, with reaching other people that, that that's their age. And, um, you know, even if it's so funny with the movie with I Still Believe, um, I, I kept telling John, I was like, you have to let someone young handle the social media. You have to let someone young handle the social media. <laughs> Finally, KJ Appa says it, and he's like, okay, we'll let someone younger handle the social media. <laughs> it's just a different kind of uh, feeling, you know? You can tell when it's authentic. And like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast like younger people are just searching for something authentic that you can tell when someone is uh is giving you that and so i think that'd be the biggest piece of advice maybe people have thought of that in the church maybe they haven't but just listen to the younger people listen to their ideas because they're spot on they're they're in the the heartbeat of uh what it is that they're trying to um to get other people to feel and so i think i think that's a great way i think the other day i went to franklin uh uh, Jensen Franklin's church here in LA as well got to see his church. His church is like completely kind of being ran by young people. There was this girl who was like 17 on the guitar leading worship. Like it's, and it was really cool to see it. Just give the opportunity. Um, I would say just give the opportunity to the younger people. And you may think they're immature, but I mean, a lot of them actually know what they're talking about. So just giving them the chance and the opportunity, I think is the biggest thing. 
Yeah, that's such a good word. And I, I think us as next-gen leaders need to be constantly reminded of that, that's ministering to the next generation, is because I think by default, what we tend to do is we gather a bunch of adults and say, hey, let's plan an event that reaches a lot of young people. And all the adults do the planning. And then we say, okay, here's the event. Here's what we're going to do. We tell the next generation, now bring all your friends. And they haven't had a chance to speak into it at all. And that's so, so true. Yeah, and so I think... You know, in even a, an event, an outreach event, is have the voice of the next generation at the table helping influence what that event's going to be, the direction of it. Um, and, and what I found, too, is if the next generation has buy-in to the event, they will pump it up because they felt like they had buy-in because they were a part of creating Again in the that game. event. Yeah, no doubt. That's such a good word. Yeah. Hey, so Madeline. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Madeline, you go back in time. And you visit your yes. teenage self. What do you tell her? Yes, I tell her. <laughs> I tell her to enjoy those five years between sixteen and nineteen <laughs> that God has it all ordained and worked out. And don't worry and don't stress because I spent so many of those years saying just like, like, okay, God, what is it? What is it that you had me waiting for? What is it that you had me waiting for? When all along it was like, it was so abundantly clear. Now I recognize, you know when the Lord is moving. And I remember when I went in that day for the, I can only imagine uh, meeting uh, or audition, whatever. And I just knew in my spirit, I knew in my spirit, I had this peace that if it wasn't imagined, I was going to work with John Irwin one day. I just remember when I met him, I just knew my spirit just kind of like lit up and I knew I was going to work with him. And I, that's the difference. You know what I mean? There's just something about knowing when you're walking in the will of the Lord. And that was something I had to learn. Like now I, now I can spot that. Now I can recognize that. So I wish I would tell my teenage self, just, just relax. None of those auditions are going to go on are going to be it. So just go in and have fun. <laughs> and uh, don't worry. Cause God has it all planned out. That's so good. Well, Madeline, we always close with the same omission charge. The heart behind this podcast is to see the next generation realize they really are the now generation. They're not necessarily the future of the church, but they're the church right now. They have a mission now, a calling on their life now. Would you give us one closing thought on this and maybe one practical next step? Yes, I think that sometimes it gets so overwhelming uh, when you, you look around at other people and you think, oh, they're already there or I'll never get there because it seems so far away. I know that that's why, uh, you know, a lot of people my age uh, deal with depression is because they have such big dreams and they have such big vision on their heart, but they don't know how. They, they know the how. Uh, they know the why. They don't know the how. And so that gets really, really discouraging. And so um, I think uh, movement is momentum. And I think just keep moving, keep moving in the direction that you want to go and don't sit down. I remember um, I did the LA Marathon a couple years ago. And I had never did it before in my life. Got asked three days before I did it. It was for the Dream Center, my church here in L.A., to do it. And I never did it before. And the, the advice that they gave me that I've taken with me, that I think applies to this, is they said, don't stop running. Because when you stop running, your body realizes what it's been doing. And you will cramp up and you will, like, stop. You'll be sore. And so I, the whole time I did this, this marathon, it was, like, 15 miles. I just, don't stop running, don't stop running, don't stop running. And the second I stopped running... It was the truth. My body realized what it was doing, and I got sore, and it was hard to start again. So I think for the next generation, you're the now generation. Keep moving. Keep getting your momentum going, and don't pause to think about it. Because a friend of mine, she calls it analysis paralysis. When you think about it too much, you'll get paralyzed. And um, you need to, you need to fulfill all that God's put on your heart because God's called you to this generation for a reason, for such a time as this, as the Book of Esther says. And we got to go for it, or just like the Book of Esther says, 
it'll be given to somebody else. And that's the worst nightmare, in my opinion. Oh, my gosh. That was gold. Movement is momentum. Analysis is paralysis. I love that. I love that. Madeline, this has been so good, so rich. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. Hey, how can people connect with you? How can people follow you? Where can they find you? Uh, I have Twitter. Um, my Twitter is I'm Maddie Carroll, M-A-D-D-I-E. And then um, my Instagram is at Mads Carroll, too, because my original Mads Carroll got compromised. So oh, yeah. <laughs> follow me at Mads Carroll, too. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Next Gen on Mission podcast. If you have questions on reaching the next generation, please email us at evangelism at nam.net, N-A-M-B.net, and we'll try to address those on a future podcast. If you enjoy what you've been listening, give us a rating, uh, subscribe, share about this with your friends. It really does help. Have a great rest of the day and tell somebody about Jesus.